and welcome to Grace Life Rondebosch. We are a gospel-centered church family focused on reaching the unreached and making disciples. We pray that this teaching will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus and discover more of the reality of Christianity. our message tonight, uh, our series. We're doing a series on uh, walking in the supernatural and uh, it's, it's not just about healing. It's about, a, a, it's about many different things. So that's why I thought this is a great place to kind of pause before we get onto more about receiving healing and talk about what we're going to talk about tonight. And what it is, is uh, what is really important. So what is really important is the title, okay? Um, so think about it for a moment. I'm, I'm sure if you're not challenged at all yet, you will be. Meaning you're, you're being part of Grace Life hasn't challenged you. I'm sure tonight will. Okay, so uh, what are the essentials of the Christian faith and Christian life? Think about it for a moment. Don't answer out loud because that's not what I'm looking for. I want you to think about it, okay? What are the non-essentials? You know, there's, we, we kind of talk about it in leadership as open-handed issues and closed-handed issues. Like, what are issues that are closed-handed? You know, we'll, we'll fight for those issues. <laughs> like, these are really important issues. So it's closed-handed, it's like a boxing, in case you missed the picture there. Uh, you know, and then uh, the open-handed issues isn't a slap. Open-handed issues are really just like, we're, 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 not, we're holding these issues lightly. Okay, these aren't the most important things. And in any church, that, you know, we have to kind of be like, this is what we believe, this isn't what we believe, and there isn't really any middle ground on too much. Because we have to keep the unity and we're going in a direction, right? But anyway, um, think about how many denominations and churches there are, even just within a, a one kilometer radius of this uh, building. Yeah, if, if, you, if you think about all of that, then there's so many people who focus on so many different things. And I mean, even when we've gone on mission trips and stuff, and we've connected with missionaries in Macedonia and in Montenegro and in other parts of the world that aren't part of Grace Life, what's very interesting is that they don't all believe like us. And, but there's, there's some essential similarities. Okay, what are those essential sim similarities? What are those things that are important? Like when we were in New York, we connected with a, a Lutheran church, and we attended the Lutheran church once, and we I connected with the pastor over lunch many times. Okay, because it was easier to have uh, lunch with him or coffee with him than to sit through the Lutheran service. Okay, <laughs> I'm just making a joke. Okay, uh, you know they had a like a big shrine up front and. And they would uh, do this a lot and like many different rituals and things. And, you know, that's not my cup of tea. So I, I um, struggled with that. And we spoke a bit about that. And, you know, but, but it's a different way of expressing your faith. Let's put it like that. Amen. That's a good way of putting it. So the point is, is like, surely someone's right and someone's wrong. Surely, and I'm not here to kind of like draw the lines and not between me and the Lutheran pastor, but in general, you know, like we, we kind of take a black and white uh, uh, approach to things like this. But there is obviously people who would be closer to the truth and people who wouldn't be. And obviously we are closer to the truth. It's a joke. 
Okay, I know that there's things that we would still be growing in. And there's things that we don't know. And we have to maintain that attitude from the heart. Because the truth, okay, firstly, the truth is the truth. And we need to, to be confident in what we believe and stand for what we believe. But we need to be humble enough to be wrong. And we need to be humble enough to be able to talk about it. We need to have humility to be able to say, okay, let's listen to what you have to say. We have to be humble enough to go, okay, um, you know, what, uh, 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 what, why do you believe that? And then consider what people are saying. And I've done that on numerous occasions. My best example is when I w was in New York and uh, I sat with a friend of mine who's a universalist and I said, I don't know how you got there, so explain it to me. And they explained it to me from the, the word, well, how they believe everyone's going to heaven and you don't have to do anything about it. It's just realizing, Christian is someone who's realized they're going to heaven. But everyone's going to heaven. So there's no hell and things like that. And I was like, tell me, how, do you do, like, how did you get there? And they, they kind of explained to me from, from different passages in the Bible. And I was able to, with my um, uh, shotgun, shoot holes in everything they said. Because I was like, you're being too creative with the Bible here. You, you can't get that from that. That doesn't mean this. And, and kind of like, you know, it was, it was easy to dismantle what he said because it wasn't really founded on the word. Okay. It was kind of founded on opinion because it's a, it's a comfortable opinion for some people. For good reasons though. But we need to be confident about what we believe and then being will, be willing to be wrong in a sense of, you don't, and if you don't know why you believe what you believe, then be willing to listen. If you know why you believe what you believe, you've studied it out, and you're standing on that, awesome. But don't be like so many people who've come up and said, my father's always taught me, or I've always believed this, or this is the church I grew up in, we believe that, because that's not, um, the devil will come and push you over quickly. Because your, your dad's not God, meaning your earthly dad, and your, 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 uh, your church that you grew up in could have been wrong, your experience could have been wrong. Ever thought of that? Some people come up with, my testimony is this, and you can't argue with my testimony. Try me. I can argue with your testimony. You know why? Because Paul said, the Apostle Paul, even if an angel from heaven preaches another gospel, let him be damned. So if your testimony doesn't match up with the Bible, I'm going to damn it. Okay? It's a very light message this evening. So... The point is, is we need to keep the main thing, the main thing. So what's really important? What's really important? You know, if you've got a piece of paper and you're making notes or something, write down on the paper like these are like as you think of things that seem to be important issues for you, write them down and say these things seem to be important to me. Why? When I mention some of them and it startles your heart and you're kind of like unsettled because Shane touched something that's important for me. Write it down and go, I need to study out why is this so important for me? Because I'm sure I might touch something. Okay? If it can be touched, it should be touched. So, for a moment, think about this. What brought about the biggest change in your life, your Christian life? Think about it. What brought about the biggest change in your life? I, you know, when I was do, uh, doing this with a group of leaders, Etienne was there. Uh, uh, I kind of expected everyone to answer in a specific way and I expected one individual to answer in a completely different way and uh, nobody disappointed me 
Okay, what I expected was everyone to pretty much speak about how grace impacted them. A revelation of God's love impacted them. Some kind of revelation. And I expected this one guy to say something of an experience. Okay, so he, he didn't disappoint. But then I had to dismantle his thing. Because the point is, is you might come and say to me, I had this experience with God and it changed everything. I agree, you may have had an experience with God. But that experience was either based on a revelation or it re resulted in a, a revelation. An experience with God, something that you can experience, like a, a vision. I had a vision. I've had visions. So that's an experience with God. It can change your life, but it should lead to a revelation, an understanding of truth. And so that understanding of truth is what would actually impact your life. But what did Jesus say? John 8. He said, you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So the freedom, the, the, the transformation comes from knowing something. It's a revelation that we need to have. Okay? And there's lots that we could say about revelation. But uh, revelation is what we should be seeking, which is basically just knowledge. It's not just knowledge in your head. It's something that you've got in your heart and you're experiencing. this. It's life. So, you know, faith is based on knowledge. You can't go where you don't know. People perish for lack of knowledge. What we don't know is a, a large contributing fact to how our life is going. So, you know, a lot of people don't know about Grace Life Rondebosch, and that's why they're not sure. <laughs> you know, so that's, that's part of the problem. There's some things that you don't experience because you don't know. Okay? So I grew up in, a, in, in more of a, I would call a hyper-charismatic from my experience of reading different books and experiences of church and things like that. Many of you can relate to that. Uh, but I was genuinely saved from a young age. And um, how did I get saved? Yeah, you, I could ask the Lutheran pastor, how did you get saved? I can ask many different people, how did you get saved? Heart, belief, mouth, confession. I believed in my heart the gospel. <clears throat> I confess Jesus is Lord. I believe that God, you know, Jesus died and He rose again from, from, to, to, to make me right with God. To forgive my sin. And blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, we, in, in most, any true Christian will say the same thing. You get some cultural Catholics and cultural Orthodox and cultural Charismatics even that wouldn't say anything like that. Because they were born into the religion. And that's it. It's not going to do them any good in eternity. Because a true Christian is someone who chose to believe the gospel that they heard. Okay? So we all, like, it doesn't matter what, how much fluff you've put onto your faith. <laughs> doesn't matter how much fluff, and by fluff I mean rituals. Doesn't matter how much fluff you put onto your faith. If uh, you're genuinely saved, you're genuinely saved. <clears throat> Whether you're doing any other kind of um, ritual or whatever. Some of you are like, I don't do rituals. Just wait. So, you know, um, there's a lot of things that I grew up believing that I don't believe today. There's a lot of things that I grew up practicing that I don't practice today anymore. Okay, maybe, I wonder if you, you have a similar experience. I wonder if you have a similar experience. That, you know, if you look back at your Christian faith, I don't, depending on how long you've been saved, but when you, uh, for a lot of us, what we believed 10 years ago, if you've been saved that long, you don't believe maybe the same today, and you don't practice the same even. Okay? So, you know, why is that? It's because we grow. For me, 
I realized that I'm in Christ. I realized it was more about my identity. The biggest, one of the biggest things in my life was realizing that um, uh, uh, the grace gave me a new identity. So I believed the gospel and it wasn't just a try harder now. It was I believed the gospel and it changed me. And I became a new creation. I became full of God. I became you know, everything that I've become. And that's what sets you up for a supernatural life. Okay, that's what really started to transform me. I realized that um, I live in Christ by grace through faith, not by works, not by effort. You know, you know I put it like this. I used to fast, which is abstain from food, you know, to try and please God. Because I was trying to become holy. I was trying to get closer to God. So I was doing something which some people would do for, for good reasons and for right heart reasons. I was doing it for the wrong reasons. I thought I was better than other people because I fasted. Okay? Or I would tithe, giving 10% of my income and everything else because I thought that God would bless me because of that. And so I was doing the right thing with the, right, with the wrong heart. Okay? I was giving. Now you can refrain from sin because you're trying to please God, because you think that's going to bless, God's going to bless you, because you, 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 you're trying to get accepted from God or whatever. And it's a good thing to stop, not to refrain from sin. Amen? Some of you aren't convinced. But it's a good thing to refrain from sin. But what's the reasoning? I mean, if your reason is wrong, refrain from it anyway. <laughs> but, like, the right heart will help you maintain it long term. Okay, so holy living is good. You know, not many people believe that by your response, but <laughs> holy living is good and it's vital. But the, here's the, the fact of the matter. God's more interested in your heart than your actions. Supernatural living isn't dependent on your actions. Supernatural living isn't dependent on your actions and how you do things. And, and I'm trying to do this and I'm trying to do that. It's dependent on your heart. What's going on in your heart? Healing. A lot of people will, 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 will do the right things to try and be healed. Will confess the right things to try and be healed. And they'll even say, I'm doing everything I know to do. But we don't know what's going on in someone's heart. We don't know if someone's truly in faith. We don't know if someone's like uh, has any understanding of these things. So what's going on in the heart is very important. So first verse, 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So, this is... The prophet is, is, is in, in Jesse's house. Okay? Uh, David's dad. And um, he's, uh, uh, he's deciding like who, who's going to be the next king of Israel. Because... Saul messed up so bad that he couldn't be king anymore. So God wanted to replace him. Okay? And um, uh, because Saul's heart wasn't repentant, God couldn't use him. It wasn't because he made mistakes, God didn't use him. It was Saul wasn't repentant. So it was kind of like a forced replacement. Okay? Um, David messed up. David made mistakes. And yet David was repentant. His heart was after God, so God didn't replace him. There's a big difference. I think it's important that you realize the grace of God in that. 
But here, you know, uh, he's looking at um, David's older brothers, who are, you know, kind of like most of your leaders. It's in and I included there. Like we're strong, we look like leaders, we look like royalty. You know, we're handsome, you know, good looking, and all of those kind of things. And the Lord looked at uh, David's older brothers that were like this, and, 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 and Samuel looked, and in his heart, it jumped, and he was like, surely this is the Lord's anointed. Surely this is the, the next king. And the Lord said, no. Okay? Now we got the better end of the deal because we are in leadership. <laughs> okay, but, but the Lord was saying, you don't look at their outward appearance. I'm looking at the heart. See, we've got the heart. <laughs> so now with David, David was scrawny, he was little, he was young. Okay? The Bible describes him as in a way that he could have been like a pretty boy as a youngster like as a teenager he was more like a pretty boy okay he wasn't like rugged and you know like us <laughs> so anyway this has got an important uh, truth in it for us man looks at the outward appearance the lord looks at the heart i had such great questions this morning after the service about that which I'm not going to get into right now. But if you think about that, there's some great implications there. Okay? Your outward appearance is important. Because we're looking at it. We're not, you, you might not realize this. Jamie will, will, will try and make a joke about it. But, <clears throat> try. But, but before I come to church, I do think about what I wear. Because you guys are watching. You know, I stand up here for a good hour or so sometimes. And, and it's important that... My attire is an off-putting, right? So it's important that we do things. That's why she buys me clothes every birthday. <laughs> you know, but the point is, the point is, it's like the outward appearance is important because we're ministering to people, we're connecting with people, and people are looking at the outward appearance. So it's important to neaten up, freshen up, smell good, all those kind of things. But God's looking deeper than that. Those aren't the things that he's judging you upon. Can he use you? Can he work with you? you know? He's looking at the heart. The heart is important. Okay? So, <clears throat> here's another verse to, to, to kind of look at that. Matthew 23, verse 27 to 28 from the Amplified Classic. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, pretenders, hypocrites, <clears throat> for you are like tombs that have been whitewashed, which look beautiful, on the outside, but inside are full of dead men's bones and everything impure. Just so, you also outwardly seem to, uh, to people to be just and upright, but inside you are full of pretense and lawlessness and iniquity. <clears throat> so, this is, is describing, <clears throat> Jesus is speaking about how you can do all the right actions, but if your heart's not right, you're just a hypocrite. You can do everything right and people can see it and people can praise you and it won't impress God much. Because your heart needs to be in it. Why are you doing what you're doing? You know, many people go to church, not your present company excluded. Many people just go to church and they sit, tick, I went to church and they leave. And the message did them no good at all. It did them diddly squat good. Why? Because they're not even thinking about the message. Okay? They're not, they're, their brains are switched off. They just came to sit through because subconsciously maybe they believe that God will bless them because they were there. Okay? God can bless you because you were here. 
But it's through the message if you receive the message and you, 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 you make it part of some, something in your heart. You know, what's going on in your heart? Are you thinking about, I don't know, what, if there's any sports on right now, but if there's anything on, on right now that you're thinking about, rather be there than be here. <laughs> because it's not going to do you any good to be here. God's not impressed with you sitting here, but your heart's somewhere else. Hmm? It's true. It's very true. That's why I said it. So, yeah, as a, a charismatic, extreme charismatic, and I like to describe myself now as a charismatic with a seatbelt, <laughs> you'll see why, you'll see why. But I would laugh at people like Catholics, for example. Why? Because uh, all their rituals and everything that they were doing, but I don't do that. Okay, you know, uh, 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 but I realized that a lot of charismatics are holding on to traditions and, and, and things in our own special way. You know, we all do it. Everyone in this room has done it in some way. Most people in Grace Life seem to come from NGK, Dutch Reformed, most people, especially in Stellenbosch. Okay, so, you know, the, 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 a lot of people don't think an NGK believer... Dutch Reformed believer is a real believer because they were sprinkled and they weren't dunked. <laughs> and there's jokes about that. You know, what did you do with your rusk? Do you sprinkle your rusk or do you dunk your rusk? Ha, 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 ha. And we, we do things like that. What's really important? What's really important? Is it really important whether you were dunked or sprinkled? Or is it really important that you believed in your heart and you confessed with your mouth? Some people... Some people really believe that it is very important. But why? Because they don't know how important the new birth is. And so they hold on to anything else that is actually secondary when we should be holding on to the primary, becoming a believer, becoming a Christian. Okay, so yeah, Colossians chapter 2, verse 10. Firstly, the New King James on the screen there it says, You are complete in Him who is the head of all principality and power. The New Living says, you are complete through your union with Christ. So what this is saying, and this is really good news, this is exciting, is that the moment that you became a Christian, the moment that you received Christ, you were complete in Him. The moment you got into Him, which is Christianity, you became complete, lacking nothing. Okay, so the, 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 I like how the, NIV, uh, the New Living says, you are complete through your union with Christ. So Christianity is a union with Christ. And in that union with Him, what happened? Now you've become complete. You lack nothing. Okay, now you lack nothing. But a lot of people, when you get saved, will make you feel like you lack a lot of things. And now you have to jump through this hoop and that hoop and these 10 steps and do this course and do that and whatever. And then all of a sudden you kind of come to a place of completeness. Okay? And there is growth that needs to happen. You're incomplete in your head. Okay? But you're not incomplete in the spirit. Your spirit is united to Christ, which means you're complete. You're perfect. You lack nothing. Now, the thing that you do lack is understanding. The thing you do lack is, is, is knowledge. The thing you do lack is wisdom. You, 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 you need to dig in and get revelation. You need to grow. How do we grow as believers? Revelation. I'll even throw this in now, although we're getting there. We can't grow through rituals. 
We grow through relationships. Through, and relationship is based on revelation. It's revelation or it's not growth. Okay? So what made you complete? Your union with Christ. Becoming a Christian. And your whole Christian life is realizing how complete you are and what your new, the new birth did to you. And then you're living from that place of completeness. And that's victory. That's freedom. Okay? But a lot of people are trying to get freedom. Trying to get victory. Trying to, to get something from God because they don't feel they have anything from God. Except maybe a get out of a hell free card. And that's all. But we've got so much more than that. We just don't know it. Okay? You know, even in, in, in my life, uh, at many points, I realized like I was so self-righteous and so full of pride about things that I would always look down on someone because they weren't doing what I was doing. Fasting, lifting my hands in worship, whatever else. That I'm not mentioning yet. Because I want you to listen to my message. <laughs> you know, so grace truly set me free. Grace truly set me free. And I know that's some of your testimony as well. You know, over the past uh, 14 years, 14 years ago I had a revelation of grace. And um, the whole journey since then has been one of, it's 15, 16 years ago actually, but it's been one of letting go of more and more fluff. Letting go of more and more fluff. In one of the Bible schools that I was at in this whole journey of, of, of getting ready for ministry, I remember sitting, I had a little notepad about that big, and I put it on my, my desk uh, 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 when I was in, 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 in the, the Bible school classes. And every time I had a question pop up, in my mind I would write it down. And I didn't ever go back to them. I just wrote all the questions down. And my aim was that by the end of the year, after I had gone through all the curriculum, I would go back and then see what questions are unanswered and what do I still need to search out. And all the answers were given to me through the year. And it was some, some interesting stuff. It was all my superstition that went into that little notebook. Like spiritual colors. Yes. That's where I was. Stuff like that. You know, let's, let's move on from that very quickly. So, you know what I realized? Now, this is a Bible study tip that's going to bless a lot of you. But my Christian life looked a lot like the book of Acts. Signs, wonders, and miracles, yes, but not, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the, the you know, if you look at the book of Acts, it's an historical eyewitness account. Okay? It's the story of how the church started. And from the beginning of Acts to the end of Acts, what you see is a church in progress. But what, you know what, how many Christians read the book of Acts is we read from uh, chapter 1 verse 1, and we accept everything as this is how the church should be. And we don't think about the context of it. Whereas if you think about the context of it, it's showing how a baby church matured and became a glorious church. Okay? That's the story of Acts. How do we know that? There's a, there's a great... Um, um, uh, uh, before I say that... I'll say this. The church was coming out of Judaism. The believers, the, 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 the Christians, were Jewish converts. They converted to Christianity, the, the first Christians. 
Okay, so why is that important? Because they brought all their Jewish junk with them. You know that some, I was one that carried my Jewish junk with me. And you might not be carry, carrying Jewish junk with you, but you're carrying maybe some junk. Okay, I still keep some of the Jewish junk just as re relics. <laughs> That's Catholic. Yeah, I'll tell you just now. But anyway, the point is, is that they were stepping more and more into the fullness of this new life and reality in Christ. So, for example, if you, if you watch the, the, the mini-series, it's called um, AD. If you look it up, I think it's on Netflix. Maybe it's still there. It's really good. I like it. Okay, this is about after Pentecost. So it, it, it's really a great way to, to kind of look at how the early church was. I'm thinking if I should say it's maybe nicer than the chosen, but you, you, you make the decision for yourself. I like it because it's, 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 it's us. We don't exist if you're watching chosen. You're not there anyway. You're not there. You're in AD, after the, 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 the Pentecost. So anyway, if you look at, at this, there's a scene where now Paul has joined the, Jewish, the, the, the Christian brothers okay, in, in Jerusalem. And this is poetic license, and, but it's, it's good. Um, and um, Peter and John are going to go and pray at the temple. And Paul is like, uh, why are you going to do that? Don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Ghost? You know? And so the early church had to start to get out of Jewish practices. And in the beginning of Acts, you can see it. They went to the temple to pray. How many of us went to the temple to pray this week? No one. Why? Because we're not Jewish. You, when did you, where did you pray? I hope everywhere. So, you know, they went to the, Jew, the, the, the temple to pray. And then as you read on in Acts, you see that they went to the temple to teach and to preach and to engage and, and to try and convince people. And then you re carry on reading and then they're not going to the temple anymore. Why? Because they realized that they're not Jewish. That they've converted and they're Christians now. So they don't need to do that. And that's just one example of many. My favorite example is um, Acts chapter 15. Where the, the, the church leaders got together to decide, are we going to say that circumcision is essential for Christ, uh, to be a Christian? Now, can you imagine having a, a, a conference like that? Like the, the elders of Grace Life are getting together to have a conference about, do we teach or don't we teach that uh, circumcision is essential for salvation? You know, that's going to be a difficult conference to have. <laughs> but it's also not going to maintain a lot of... Um, followers why because they're like no man that, that's ridiculous it's obviously it is ridiculous but what's even more ridiculous is we still carry a lot of other traditions so if you look at it what i love this paul writes the book of galatians to the church of galatia what does he say foolish galatians who has bewitched you and and he's talking about like you you why are you adding to the finished work of Christ? You know, you, you were saved by grace through faith, you were saved by the Spirit, and he's like, What are you doing that you're now allowing these Judaizers, these 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 Jewish Christians to come and put law on you? They're telling you be circumcised, they're telling you follow the feasts, they're telling you observe the, the holy days and all of this. Because that's what Christians should do as well. Jesus was a Jew. We're grafted in. We should do what Jesus did. You know, so they come with all their 
clever thinking and it sounds good and all of this and they were just uh, uh, swiping believers into their, their um, uh, deception and Paul writes to them and says don't be stupid that's not that's not it's Christ plus nothing that's what he says Christ plus nothing the Judaizers were saying Christ plus something so I, 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 I did a little bit of research I was like during the book of Acts when did Paul write Galatians because now, if you look at your Bible, you think it's Galatians, and then it's the next book, and then it's the next book. But it's not like that. Gal- Acts was written, and a lot of the books are in Acts, were written during Acts. And so, the book of Galatians was written in about Acts chapter 13 to Acts chapter 14, just before the council of Acts chapter 15. Why is that important? It's interesting. Because it shows us that the church was dealing with these issues of rituals and religious observance, uh, observances that they had to start deciding, I'm not going to do this anymore. What's really important is the question. That's basically what Paul was writing to them. What's really important? It's faith in Christ. It's faith in the finished work. Faith in the death, burial, resurrection. Okay? And yet, there's still a lot of fluff in the church today. Even trinkets and spells and incantations and all sorts of rubbish. One of the rubbish that I was involved in was uh, I was that guy that many of you may have, uh, you, you would have known Simon Jerusalem and Jackie, and maybe you, Leandri. But um, where, where uh, I would go to a church, my, my, the church, and I would get permission so I wasn't rebellious. But um, I had my shofar with me. And I'd be that guy in, in the service going, and you know what I believed it, it attracted attention, which I didn't like. But you know what it did? What I believed it did was release the anointing. Because the anointing was in captivity. And then, you know, can you see how self-righteous and prideful that is? I'm going to blow the shofar. And it's going to break that, 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 that thing and it's going to release the anointing. And then, then miracles are going to happen. And you know what? You, people that we know might not do that. But, we have these things like a spiritual house cleaning. We have, and I was involved in that. We have things like deliverance ministry. I was there. And, and the whole thing is just like, let me sit now. Now there's a place for counsel. I, I counsel people, I sit with them, I minister to them, I work through issues and whatever. But it's processing it with them and Holy Spirit. But a lot of these people kind of have this sense of pride, like, sure, it was difficult, the, the, the spiritual warfare we were doing over that individual, the intercession, you know. And it's like we broke through. And they're just glorifying themselves at the work they've done in your life. When where's the glory for Jesus? Because Jesus actually did a good work. It was perfect, some would say. <laughs> and that perfect work had something to do in your life. The problem is you don't believe it was enough. So now you believe you need a shofar to break the anointing open in, the, in the, the service. You believe that you need someone to come and break curses over you. Because Jesus' blood wasn't enough. The resurrection of Christ wasn't enough. You need something else to kind of give you a bit of a boost. 1 Corinthians 6.17, God's Word translation. The person who unites himself with the Lord has become one spirit with him. You know what that's saying? Is you have direct access to God. You have direct access to God. So, in, in the modern day church, you can go into many churches. 
We did many things like this for many years as well. And I'm sure maybe there's something I'm unaware of. But we have things in our lives where we're like, this is going to get me closer to God. This is going to help me get into the Holy of Holies. This is going to help me whatever, you know, uh, get God's attention. And so we do all of these things in an effort to try and accomplish something that's already been accomplished. I'm already one with Christ. I'm already complete in Christ. I've got everything I need for life and for godliness. I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. What else do I need? I need some revelation. I don't need someone to pray for me. What did Paul pray? He prayed for the church. He prayed, I pray you get a revelation. <laughs> so what is it that we need? A revelation. We don't need some super duper to come in with a healing anointing. We need to know what we've got. Okay? You could call yourself the super duper. Minister to yourself. It's true. You know, a lot of people hold near and dear things like... Uh, uh, it, you know, what I'm talking about is a ritual or a, a fluff. When I'm talking about fluff, I'm talking about rituals and things like that that we think stand between us and God. And God is pleased when I do this because it's helping me get closer to God. It's helping me whatever. It's like uh, in the Lutheran church, you know, they would look at the cross and they'd do this. And I asked, why did you do that? I thought Catholics only did that. And they said, well, we do it. It's a, it's a ritual that we do that um, helps remind us of our identification in Christ, that we died with Christ and we've raised with Christ. And it's reminding us of our identity. I love that. That's amazing. I don't need to do that. But I love the way they had some symbolism in it. You know, uh, 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 we don't need to do that because you you've got the Holy Spirit reminding you of that. I, I remember you know, uh, in questions about fasting. It's an easy one. People are like, I'm, I'm fasting because... I'm dealing with the flesh so I can focus more on the Spirit. But why would God give you the Holy Spirit then to do that? The Holy Spirit does that. So now why are you trying to do something carnal, natural, to accomplish something spiritual when you've got the Holy Spirit to help you with that? So you're trying to replace the Holy Spirit's work in your life. And there's many others that we hold near and dear to and we're, we're, we're trying to do this and we're trying to do that and I'm just not going to use them as examples right now. So, this is what we end up doing. We major on minors and we minor on majors. But what's mo more important? You know, and then the thing that we think is most important, we judge and condemn other people for not doing it. You know? And I think that that's pride. It's, it's, uh, it's not how Jesus would operate. And right is right and wrong is wrong. And there is right and there is wrong. But we've got to see that it's bigger than what we think is right. The word is, is right. And we're going we're gonna to look at that in a, in a sec. But we need to keep the main thing the main thing. What is God prioritizing? 1 Timothy 2, 3 to 4. If you confess with... Oh, wrong one. <laughs> uh, For it is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and come unto the knowledge of the truth. So this is saying God wants everyone saved and to be discipled, come to knowledge of the truth. That's God's priority. Okay? We, he, he wants us to receive salvation and become His child, and then we've got to be discipled into realizing what we've got when we became Christian. And then victory starts to happen in our lives, not because 
like, like I had to do once. Um, before I went into ministry, some friends of mine that did spiritual house cleaning were like, come for a, a, a session with us before you go into ministry, just to kind of like make sure, you know, everything's taken care of. And so I went and then I, while they were busy, you know, I think they fasted for the day and they asked me to, and I don't know if I did, I don't, probably didn't. But that's why it didn't work. But anyway, then they were, I'm making a joke. Then they, um, they had this questionnaire and I had to fill in everything that I could think that I've ever done and in the family and some of you have done that. Uh, and then after that, they couldn't find the, the um, prayer of renunciation for my great-grandfather or whoever being involved in Freemasonry. So, yeah, because if, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature except for his birth parents and his grandparents. <laughs> So then what happened was they gave me the Afrikaans one. And back then it was horrible, my Afrikaans. So I had to read through like eight to ten pages of Afrikaans prayers of renunciation. And those words are big. And they were like, don't worry about it. The devils understand. You don't need to understand it, but the devils understand. And it's like, okay. When all I needed to do was get a revelation of what happened to me when I said yes to Jesus. Okay, so there's many things that we can say about all of this. I'm going to have to jump through a couple, but 1 Corinthians 15, so cut down a couple of verses there. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 to 4. I passed on to you what was uh, most important. Okay, so what is most important? What's really important? And what had also been passed on to me? Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. So what this is saying is that the most important thing you need to know, whatever you're facing right now, whatever challenge you're going through, the most important thing you need to know is Jesus died for your sins, as the scripture said, Genesis to Malachi had, had, had prophesied. He was buried. He was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures have said. That's what you need to know. Why? Because it's an eternal matter. That's why this is the most important thing you need to know. Because it's a matter, of, and it puts into perspective your problem right now. Eternity puts into perspective your issue right now. Your health challenge. Your dilemma at work, or whatever the thing is that you're going through. But the other thing is, because of his death, burial, and resurrection, it made me a new man. It made you a new man. Generic. <laughs> okay? So now, because I'm in Christ, I've got a new identity. The old is gone, the new has come. And so I need to come to an understanding of what his death, burial, and resurrection made me. And then in my challenge that I'm facing right now, it helps me to be able to see myself differently. Because now I see that I'm complete in Christ. I see that I'm full of His power. I'm full of His presence. I'm full of His love. I've got the mind of Christ. I've got the wisdom of God in me. And all I need to do is realize what I've got. And the whole situation can change. So that is the most important thing you need to know. Salvation is completeness in Christ. Because of His death, burial and resurrection. Don't undermine that. Most Christians think... There has to be something else I need to know. What else do I need to do? You need to know what happened to you when you, when, when, when you said yes to the, the, the gospel. When you said yes to Jesus. Because that thing changed everything. Okay? That's really important. Now, 
in this journey of um, what, is, uh, what is really important. Okay, now I've shown you. Death, burial, and resurrection. Saying yes to the gospel is really important. But then, in anyone's Christian life, there's certain things that are very important for you and, and some things that are not very important for you. We've got to make sure that we're letting the Word tell us what's very important and what's not very important, right? Because a lot of it is based on preference. How do most people pick a church according to the worship? If you read the Bible, it's not very important. Okay, sing songs, not very important. It's nice, we like it, it's important, but it's not the most important thing. The most important thing would be the Word and the community. Okay, and with those two things lack, you don't have a church. You've maybe got a concert. Okay, so we've got to be careful how we choose a church. How do we know what truth is? The Word. How we saved. The incorruptible seed of the Word of God. What is the Word of God? It's not the Bible. Okay? This is my Bible. But the Word of God is in the Bible. John, no, not John. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Gospel. It says by the Word of God. In context, it's talking about the Gospel. It doesn't mention Bible. So the Bible contains the message of Christ from Genesis to Revelation. The message of Christ is the Word of Christ, the Word of God, and it's the living Word of God, so it is a person, it's Jesus. When we're preaching the Gospel to people, we're introducing them to a person. Okay? Because Jesus is the living Word. So how we approach the Word is vital. You know, people will come and say, I, I, I don't agree with your teaching on such and such. I believe this is important. And I'll be like, okay, great. Let's, let's just, just discuss how you got to that conclusion. And I start to speak about how do we approach the Bible? How do we look in the Bible and study the Bible? And I'll tell them what I told you about Acts. Remember what I said about Acts? I'll tell them and they'll go, I disagree with that. Then I'll say, well, I can't argue with you then. Because you're never going to agree with me and see what I see because you think everything from Acts chapter 1 to the end of Acts is perfect. And yet you read it and you can see it's not perfect. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, Jesus says, uh, uh, you receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you and you'll be witnesses in all the world. Up until Acts chapter 8, the believers are in Jerusalem. That's not perfect church. That's disobedient church. You know what happens then? Acts chapter 8 verse 1. Someone read it. I know what happens, but I want you to read it. Acts chapter 8 verse 1. Don't say it. Read it. Someone. Acts chapter 8 verse 1. Out loud if you get it. So you can see what, the, what happened. And I'm not saying it's because of the disobedient church, but it happened and it helped fix the disobedient church. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. And so was consenting unto his death and said, that time there was a great persecution, at that time there was great persecution against the church which, which was at Jerusalem and they were all scattered abroad mm. throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria. So perfect. So now all of a sudden, a great persecution broke out against the church and the believers were scattered. <laughs> and it's like, okay, you know, I don't believe God did that. I believe persecution comes because we live in godly. And it doesn't come from God. Okay? But if I was God, 
<laughs> I would have said, you don't want to go? Let me help you with that. God didn't do that, but I would have done that if I was God. Anyway, it's important for how do we approach the Word? How do we approach the Word? Okay, Because God isn't the only one speaking in the Bible. Some of you need to walk away with that as your revelation for the evening. God is not the only one speaking in the Bible. Did you know? I think it's Matthew chapter 3. I think it's Matthew chapter 3. The devil speaks. So if you just open up your Bible, what is God saying to me today? <laughs> and you're not studying it properly. It could be the devil speaking to you. It could be Job and his foolish friends speaking to you. It could be all, like, it's not just God speaking in the Bible. You have to correctly divide the word of truth. Discern the word. Understand what is it saying. So let's ask the question, and I'm so glad I've got time for this. How do we avoid error? How do we avoid error? Okay, because maybe the fluff that is so close to your heart and you love it so very much, maybe it's something that isn't fluff. Maybe it is something that's fluff. Maybe it's something that you're holding on to something that's non-essential as essential. And you just need to let it go. So how do we know? I'm not going to dismantle your fluff right now. But I'm going to show you how to dismantle your own fluff. Okay? Hebrews chapter 13 verse 8 to 9. King James, New King James says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. You know what that means? It means that Jesus is eternal. Jesus is the same. Jesus is reliable. It's, you can trust Jesus. He's unchanging. Okay? Verse 9. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. For it is a good thing that the heart be established by grace, not with foods which have not profited them, uh, those that have been occupied with them. So, you know, it's easy if we look at different translations to maybe get some more juice out of it. New Living puts uh, verse 9 like this. So don't be attracted by strange new ideas. How many of you have ever heard a strange teaching? Okay? Your definition of strange might be wrong. Because I can teach you something now which uh, is biblical and it won't be strange to the Bible, but it'll be strange to you. Maybe. So just because it's not something you haven't heard before doesn't mean it's wrong. Because you haven't heard everything before. Just because, you know, uh, like you didn't know it and it's weird for you doesn't mean it's weird. It's, what is it strange to? It's strange to Jesus Christ, the verse before. Jesus Christ is the same, always. So if, if the message you're hearing is different to the eternal truth and doctrine of Christ, then it's wrong. Okay? Then it's wrong. And a lot of doctrines and teachings in the church, by and large, are strange because it's not Jesus okay in the circles I moved in it wasn't strange to release the anointing through a shofar blowing okay but it's strange to the doctrine of Christ okay circumcision if I was to get up here and start teaching circumcision for some Christian groups it's not strange it's, it's not something weird for them. It's like, yes, we should do that. Jesus was a Jew. We should, we should uh, follow his example. Sounds kind of right, doesn't it? Until you think about it. 
But the, the fact of the matter is, is that it's strange to the doctrine of Christ, so therefore it's wrong. Okay? Look at that verse in, in New Living there. It says, Your strength comes from God's grace. You could say the New Covenant. Not from rules about food. Dietary rules, the law, which don't help those who follow them. So there's a whole bunch of law about food, eating and drinking, which, what does it say there? Don't help those who follow them. There's a lot of people, Christians, who follow rules. The, the verse before that says, um, it says, um, go back to New King James, it is a good thing that the heart be established by grace, not with foods. That if not, you could say feasts. It's a good, you know, feasts, it's fun. We've done Shabbat, we've done different things, I've you know, gone to all these different feasts, uh, Jewish feasts, uh, with Messianic Christians, and it's a nice experience. I would recommend it. It's fun. But don't do it for religious reasons. Don't do it because you think you're spiritual. If you think it's going to make you more spiritual, don't do it. Rather come here. <laughs> come for lunch at my house, it'll be more spiritual. Okay, the point is, it is more spiritual, isn't it, Diana? She was with us for lunch. She agrees. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> the point is, is that, so, so uh, the, the, if you go to the next, the next uh, New Living Translation there, it says, so not from rules about food. So it's talking about feasts. Feasts don't help those who follow them. Why doesn't a feast that you find in the Bible, let's be more specific, there's a Passover feast or meal, why doesn't the Passover meal help those who follow them? Because you're following the feast, but you're not reading the feast. Passover meal was happening for generations and generations and generations. Jesus, as a Jew, celebrated the Passover meal. And the last Passover, called the last Passover for a reason, but the last Passover that Jesus had with his disciples before his death, burial, and resurrection, he said, I have longed to share this Passover with you. And then why? Because now, for the first time, they did every, all the whole Passover meal was organized the way that it was always organized. They followed it to the law, every, everything was perfect. Then Jesus did something different. He explained what the Passover meal meant because they didn't read it. They were taking it. What, were they read what weren't they reading? Jesus had to hold up the cup and say, this is the blood. Was it blood? No, it was wine. But he's speaking symbolically now. He's saying, this is the blood of the new covenant. My blood. Then he holds up the bread. and What was it? It was bread and he holds it up and he says this is my body broken for you he's saying this was the gospel being preached for you and this is what you've missed this is why i came this feast the passover meal was uh, the gospel being preached to you and you didn't read it properly because you thought that there was power in the passover when the power in the passover is it reveals me I am the reality of the Passover meal. Now, if you've got the reality, you don't need the shadow. So that means we don't need to celebrate Passover because we've got Jesus. He is the Passover lamb, the Bible says. And so now I don't need to 
have the whole meal and have the whole bread and cup and all of that stuff. Why? Because I've got the reality. I've got Jesus. I've partaken of His body. I've partaken of His blood. And I'm living in that reality now. Look at the Amplified Classic version there. Do not be carried about with different and varied and alien teachings. I like how it says that. It's alien teachings, different from the doctrine of Christ. For it is a good thing... Sorry, for it is good for the heart to be established and ennobled and strengthened by means of grace, God's favor and spiritual blessing, and not to be devoted to foods in brackets. Look at that. It's pretty cool. Rules of diet and ritualistic meals. Ritualistic meals. What is a ritualistic meal? Passover is one of them. Okay? Passover is one of them. Yeah, there's a lot of churches which still take Passover as a ritualistic meal. What is ritual? It's something that you repeat again and again. You know that there's no ritual in Christianity. Amen. There's nothing like that. It's relationship. It's life. I've got Jesus living in me. Anyway, let's carry on here. And not to be devoted to foods, rules of diet and ritualistic meals, which bring no spiritual benefit or profit to those who observe them. Why doesn't it a profit, or, uh, a profit or benefit them? Because they're taking it, they're not reading it. It's a story pointing to Jesus. But they didn't read it like that. What did they do? They took it and they thought, this, there's power in this. Oh, there's power in the Passover meal. I've, there's many Christian sermons on that. There's power in the Passover meal. The only power in the Passover meal was what it was pointing to. There's only, in the Christian life, there's only power in Jesus. Okay? Now, there's little things here and there that I've said that if you take the rabbit trail, you'll come to some conclusions and you'll realize like, huh, I can't believe he's saying that. So now let me bring up the next thing. Okay? We need to stay with Jesus. Okay? Not the law. We need to stay with grace, not the law. Okay? So here are some questions to consider when listening to any teaching. Especially one that you haven't heard before. Okay? So here are a couple questions to be able to discern uh, what you're listening to. Number one, is the message taking away anything from Jesus, from the gospel, or from salvation? That's an important question to consider when listening to a teaching. Because what a lot of teachings will do is they will take away from the power of what Jesus has done for us and it's putting the power somewhere else. Okay? Question number two. So, so for example, some people think you need to take the Passover meal regularly. Okay? Now I'm saying you don't. You never have to take Passover. Okay? I'm speaking in parables for, for some of you. <laughs> and I'll leave it there. But no, the, 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 uh, by me saying you don't have to take the Passover meal, am I taking away anything from Jesus? No. Why? Because I'm saying Jesus fulfilled the Passover, and the Passover was pointing to Jesus. You've got Jesus now. You don't need Passover meal. You can have a Passover meal just because it's fun. The food is good. Because Passover is not just bread and cup. Passover includes a whole meal. Lamb and all sorts. Okay? 
So the point is, is it's not taking away from the gospel. It's not taking away from salvation. Did you have to take Passover meal to, to be saved? No. What did you do? You believed the gospel. You believed in your heart. You confessed with your mouth. Question two. Is the message adding to Jesus and salvation? Are they making faith in Christ enough? Okay? What's the answer? Like me saying, don't, you don't have to take Passover meal. Is it adding to the message of salvation? No. In fact, for someone who is taking Passover meal, it's taking away the fluff so you can see Jesus more clearly. Because engaging in Passover would be engaging in a shadow which is pointing to a reality. The reality is Christ. Okay, number, question number three. What are the implications if this message is wrong? So now let's say you stop taking Passover. You were taking Passover. Passover meal, that is. Okay, now you stop taking the Passover meal. Are you going to go to hell because you didn't take Passover? No. Okay, because you believed in your heart, you confessed with your mouth, so you're born again, you're a Christian, you're a child of God. Not fulfilling a ritual doesn't matter. Amen? Amen? So it's okay. You might. Would you be missing out on something? Well, if you should be taking Passover, then you are maybe missing out on something. But you're not going to go to hell for it. So it's, so it's, it's a, by, by judging it according to this, it's not such a big deal. It's not an, it, what, it, what is really important? This one isn't really important. Okay? What is the end result of this teaching if we take this teaching to the full extent what is the end result of it is it pulling me towards christ or away from christ does it result in love or doesn't it does it result in fruitfulness or doesn't it well i would imagine if i'm taking the pressure of you off of you to 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 have to engage in passover this is just the example i'm using but Passover as an example, if I'm taking the pressure off of you and saying you don't have to do this, the, 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 the extent of this, the result of this is, I would say, intimacy with Jesus. Because now, you've t you, the shadow would be the invitation. Passover meal was an invitation. He's coming. He's coming. He's going to die for your sins. He's going to be raised to a new life. He's coming. You know, this is the promise. He's coming. You're going to have salvation through Christ. That was what was promised and continuously thrown out. Now, he's come. Why must I go to the he's coming meal? <laughs> because now I've got him. You read the verse, I'm one with him. I'm filled with him. I don't need the invitation anymore. So stay with Christ, not with shadows. He is the reality. So Colossians chapter 2 verse 10 says, you are complete in Him who is the head of all principality and all power. Okay? We're complete in Him. We're not complete in rituals. You're not complete because you're partaking of Passover. We went to a, a wedding. It was a very horrible wedding. It was the worst wedding I've ever been to. I would have rather gone to a Hindu wedding or something like that, to be honest. It was a Christian wedding. And it was the most difficult wedding I ever had to attend. Because it was someone I discipled, and they got married to someone who should have been discipled. And uh, 
the whole thing was just ritual after ritual of Jewish stuff, fluff. They had four or five people standing up front from the different families and they had the, 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 the cup, the wine, and they had the bread and they were, it was just this and that and the next thing and this and that, the next thing. And, and I was just like sitting there going, as soon as we can, we're getting out of here. And then they asked me to say grace. And I was like, I don't want to say grace at the, the reception. Because it's all these people who it's like a pride thing. It's, 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 it's religious. And I was disgusted. I didn't want to be there. I was like, this, is, this isn't my scene. I don't like to be here. So I said to grace, thank you, Father, for this food. We bless it in the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs> That's not what people expect at a wedding. So I did it. <laughs> I'm not going to go and pray so that they can listen to me. It's a, you know, you're not praying to people, you're praying to God. Anyway, we're not complete through a ritual. We complete through our union with Him. You complete in Christ. Now, I have to land. So if you look at Colossians, the rest of that chapter, you'll see Paul is bringing out shadows and realities. And he talks about shadows, and I'm going to give you an example. Okay, the next slide there. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by the putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So if you look at that, you, 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 he's talking about circumcision, but he's talking about two different circumcisions. A spiritual one and a natural one. Okay, the natural one was prescribed under the Mosaic law. The natural one was one found in Genesis to Malachi. What was it? It was the gospel being preached. That's the same thing with the whole law. Okay? Why did they have to get circumcised under the, uh, the Abrahamic covenant? So it's before Moses even. Why did they have to get circumcised? Because it was a sign of the covenant. It was something, it was a picture, a prophetic picture of something to come. And this verse explains it. Okay? In Him you were circumcised. So now, in Christ, you're complete in Christ. And now this says, because you became a Christian, you're now circumcised. Women, you're included here. Okay? What is it talking about? Circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. Okay? What was this circumcision? The putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh. By the circumcision of Christ. So it's saying, when you said yes to the gospel, yes to Jesus, the circumcision was, it cut your sinful nature off. Now it's gone. When did that happen? The moment you said yes to Jesus, that sinful nature was gone. And you can't be circumcised again. If I cut my finger off, I can't cut that finger off again. Very deep. So if it's gone, it's gone. So your sinful nature is gone. Okay? So, do we need to... There was a physical ritual that pointed to the spiritual reality and we now have the spiritual reality of yes to Jesus and I received the spiritual circumcision. So do I need to have a physical circumcision? You're not convinced. Let's start again. <laughs> the point that I'm making is that you don't need to do the physical if you've got the reality. You don't need the shadow if you've got the reality. Okay? 
And then it goes in deeper and deeper to explain more things which we're not going to get into tonight. But I'll, I'll finish with one verse. Uh, Colossians 2 verse 16 to 17. So just down a bit there. Let no one judge you in food or in drink regarding a festival or new moon or Sabbath, which are shadows of things to come, but the substance is of Christ, or the reality is of Christ. Okay? So this is showing us that we mustn't, just because we're not having Passover meal, just because we're not doing circumcision celebrations <laughs> in the service, or anything else, we mustn't let people judge us. Because they were shadows pointing to a reality. And the reality is Christ. You've got Christ, you're complete, you don't need anything else. Now if you go back to those questions, am I taking away from Christ? No, I'm making him bigger for you. I'm, making you, I'm showing you that you've got something of value. Something amazing. So let me explain my parable and close. A parable is a story, right? It's a story with a hidden message. Okay? If you go look at the parables of Jesus, they are for unbelievers. They're not for you. That's another story. But Jesus always explains the, the deeper meaning to the believers. But to the unbelievers, he doesn't. So I'm explaining to you. <laughs> like Jesus would. Okay? Do we need Passover? Do you know that if you read the Bible from cover to cover, let's say from Matthew chapter 1 verse 1 all the way to the end of the book of Revelation, did you know that there's no such thing as communion, as Holy Communion, as Holy Eucharist, or whatever you want to call it? If you go and look at it, when it speaks about communion, it speaks about intimacy with the Father and intimacy with each other. It's relationship with God and relationship with the church. When it speaks about bread and cup, communion, it's Passover. It's never called communion. It's always called Passover. Because what the church has made Passover, what the church has made communion was part of the Passover meal. And I've got, hour, I can teach you on, for hours on this. To show you the history of it and, and bring it out so you can understand and explain it. And it goes against some of my favorite teachers. But you, you, you need to see that it's a shadow pointing to a reality. And if you've got the reality, you don't need the shadow. So put up those questions again, based on me exposing the, the, the parable. Is the message taking away anything from Jesus? Is me saying you don't need to take communion taking away from Jesus? You're not convinced, but no. Is it taking away from the gospel? No, because the gospel preached is his death, burial, and resurrection. And how do you benefit from his death, burial, and resurrection? Faith in Christ. So it's not communion, as in bread and cup. It's faith. Believing. Okay? Is this message adding to Jesus and salvation? No. I don't see how it could be. Are they make, am I making faith in Christ enough? Yes. Okay. What is the implications if this message is wrong? I haven't taken communion for longer than three years now. Because I just realized I don't need to take it. But I've had communion every day with the Father. And I'm having communion now with you guys. What is the end result of this teaching? 
Does it result in love? You know, there's a verse I want to, one last verse I want to read. 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5. It says, now the purpose of the commandment is love. The King James says the end of the commandment is love. So what's the purpose of commandment, of instruction? Love. Okay? So what we believe, like, it, it should result in love. There should be fruitfulness in it, in love. But a lot of the time, some of the teachings that go on in the, in the church, it results in self-righteousness, it results in uh, pride, and it results in, in discord, disunity because of that. Because I'm better than that one, and this one's better than that. And it's not love. Amen? So I'll just leave it there. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you that this, this, this teaching, even though it it might be controversial for, for some. I thank you, Father, that it's really just the aim of it is to help us have greater intimacy with you because now we're pulling away something that we have to do in order to connect with you. We're pulling something out of the way that we would naturally have to do to be able to connect with you. And I just pray that each one, as they walk away from this evening, that they would walk away with greater intimacy, greater love, a greater overflow of gratitude for what you've done for them and what they've got in you. And as they focus on their completeness in Christ, their oneness with you, as they meditate and focus on these things, I thank you, Father, that it'll cause them to walk in the supernatural. Thank you, Father, it's going to cause them to, to rise up and live in the supernatural. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, for freedom. Thank you, Father, for the word which says that faith works by love. That word love in the Greek is agape. It's God's kind of love. It's self-sacrificial love. So, our faith works when we focus on God's love for us. Father, help us to see that as we just focus on your love, it causes faith to work in our lives. And then we can rise up to receive our healing. Rise up to walk in all that you You can find us. more of our free teachings on our website, www.gracelife.co. And if you're ever in the Cape Town area, we invite you to join us for one of our gatherings. Our aim is to help you discover Jesus, find family, and experience life. To contact us or to find out where and when we meet, visit our website www.gracelife.ca